This is Light of the Word. Today, Pastor Steve Mays encourages us to put prayer before human effort. And so you can talk to God about another person. God changed their heart, opened the conversation. Or you can take someone you're having a problem with, or a boss you're not working out with, and you pray for that boss, and God will begin to do work. In other words, until you're willing to pray, you really don't have a right to complain. You pray, and God will work. And that's where your faith begins to really get a hold of things. Instead of murmuring, you pray. Instead of complaining, you thank the Lord. This is Light of the Word, the legacy ministry of Pastor Steve Mays, winning and encouraging people with the teaching of God's Word from Calvary Chapel, South Bay in Gardena, California. So follow the light of the word. Abraham Lincoln once said, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. How true that was for the Apostle Paul, as he sat in prison waiting to be executed. His ministry had finally come to an end, or had it. The fact was, Paul's ministry of prayer was still going strong, and his prayers for Timothy are powerful examples of the way in which we can minister to others. Whether it be lifting up what seems like a conflict in life or just giving thanks, praying for others is one of the most important things that we can do. Here's Pastor Steve. Second Timothy, we have been looking, of course, at First Timothy, and First Timothy and Second Timothy is all about Paul writing to Timothy, and we mentioned before that Timothy was a pastor of a church, and they're part of Paul's life. Uh, he was saved and part of that lifestyle in Lystra, and we believe that no doubt that when Paul was stoned in Lystra, uh, Timothy saw it when he was young. Uh, his mother and grandmother uh, raised him in the scriptures. And so we see some of the wonderful verses in the Bible that we hang on to. Uh, Study the show thyself approved unto God, a workman, uh, once again. And so that is given to Timothy by Paul. And it was given to his grandmother and mother to raise him in the scripture. And so Paul was part of that home. Timothy's dad was a Greek, and we see that in Acts chapter 16. But the mom and grandmother were on-fire Christians, and so no doubt on Paul's second missionary journey, he saw the growth in Timothy, he grabbed Timothy, and Paul now is writing back, and he is calling for Timothy to come from Ephesus over to Rome. Paul was now in Rome. He's ready to die. It's been a wonderful life from the very beginning of Damascus all the way through. And Paul has suffered some horrific things and things that are really hard to get a handle on how he could go through those difficult times. His own physical body was tormented, and yet that thorn was given to him that it would balance his own life. And so we come to this chapter. He's in Rome. He's setting in prison. 
and he's ready to be executed. So this is Paul's very last words to a young man that he knew was afraid. So these are some good insights if you're going to walk in front of a board for the very first time. Things that are good to remember. And the ministry is really filled with hardship. It's not a place for timid people. People get hurt. And ministry is not an easy thing. It will cost you so much if you do it right. And we mentioned this morning that Timothy was very timid. It was the opposite of Paul. Here is a pillar of strength. Here is Timothy, kind of weak. Here is a man who knew what he wanted. Timothy wasn't really sure. So Paul was now going to give Timothy that ministry that God gave to him. And so he was afraid, Timothy. He was scared. He was not really stirring up the gifts that God gave to him. And I believe that Paul gave the ministry to him because of the prophecy upon his life and because of his faith that he had. And so he was timid, he was sick, and he was fearful. And Paul will say in chapter 1, stir up your gift. And secondly, open your mouth, Timothy, you need to speak. And then, Timothy, you need to start leading. You need to take ownership. And once again, he was different. So we jump into chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and we see the ministry of love that Paul had. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So the very thing that Paul begins off is with his authority. He was an apostle. And many would question if he was really that apostle. One of the criterias of being an apostle is you had to be an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. Well, Paul was not an eyewitness of the resurrection. But he was an eyewitness there on the Damascus Road where he saw the Lord. So he held to the, his relationship and what he saw. He said, I saw the Lord. And it was there that God took him. And then, you remember, God sent him into the wilderness for three years in the desert of Arabia. And the Bible tells us in Galatians that he was taught by the Spirit of God that the things that he had received was not from flesh and blood. In other words, it wasn't another man teaching him, though he was taught by the greatest teacher of all, Gamaliel. But he was taught in the Jewish end of Judaism. He understood so much of that. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, he was blameless. And so God was after him because if God could turn him around God could use the mind that he had to begin to bring Christianity into the world. So God always works on both ends. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I made a mistake and I went to school. If you serve God, you never will make a mistake. Things are never in vain. Everything you do, good or bad, God is going to use as an experience to teach you and he's going to use it down the road in a very wonderful way. So the education came into play. 
And at the end of three years, you remember, God gave him the mystery of the church and all the different things he needed, the grace of God. And so we find that he was an apostle, as he says here, and notice by the will of God. That day in the Damascus Road, God said to Paul, I'm going to show you the great things you're going to suffer, but you're going to stand before kings, and you're going to stand before rulers, and you're going to stand before Gentiles. In other words, you will be my man. And then he says something kind of interesting, according to the promise of life. Now, have you ever thought what that might be? Well, the promise of life is the resurrection. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so he gave the promise of life. In other words, Paul was to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of the resurrection. There's no way that you can take a beating, no way that you can be rejected, no way that the whole continent of Asia turn on you and you not quit apart from the power of the resurrection. And so you and I need to understand something right up front. In me, in ourself, we are emotional people. Even if you say, well, I'm not emotional, you have feelings. And when those feelings get hurt, we respond. But when you are governed by the spirit of the living God, under the inspiration of the resurrection, and called by God, somehow God tempers your heart, and you stay focused to do what God has you to do. And when he was bit, he shook it off. And when he was stoned, he went back in. In other words, he was on a mission. And so sometimes that can be a wonderful thing in your own heart, own life. And so we find that he was a pastor, he was a preacher, he was an apostle, and he did all this once again by the resurrection of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he said in verse 2, And to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. And this is kind of cool. You remember in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your estate. So Paul wanted to send Timothy to Philippi. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things of Jesus Christ. That is probably the most incredible compliment a man could ever receive. The Apostle Paul saying to Timothy, I have no man like-minded and all the men around me, Luke and everybody else, who will take care of you the way that Timothy did because he was loyal and committed there in Philippians chapter 2 verse 19. And so we see a ministry of love. He just loved Timothy dearly. And sometimes as you get older and you see who God begins to raise up, and the men around me are very, very close to my heart. But it's kind of interesting, the older you get, the more compassion, the more heart you get towards the men who God has put by your side. And that's the way it should be. It should be the other way around. Can't wait to get rid of them. You begin to see them, and you see the value of them, and you see them as a person. And I was sitting with Rob today, and he's just a great dad. Spent time with his kids, did things, and we were talking back and forth. The importance of a pastor spending time with their kids. And if I had to do it over again, I'd go do it. 
but he's doing it, and that's a good thing in his life. And what I really am convicted in my own heart is that sometimes I'm guilty that I want people to be really strong around me. Take it and make good decisions. Do it right. And you hear that a lot around here. But the problem is, and Kevin's over there laughing, and he was talking to a young man the other day, and he was over here, and this young guy said, Kevin, so tell me what happened and how you got started in the ministry. Well, when I met Kevin at Starbucks, he had an earring, and he knew everything, and he was ready to get involved and take us places. And so he came to work, and the first day I put a jackhammer in his hand, and he did the woman's bathroom over here men's bathroom over here, jackhammering. And at the end of the day, he's looking at me, a worship leader with a jackhammer. And I'm smiling because I know that's what Pastor Chuck did to me. You know, he put a jackhammer in my hand, but he taught me what it is to work and taught me what it is to get ownership. But here's the difference, is that Paul saw the weakness and he helped him. And I don't want to be somebody that sees the weakness and gets mad. I want to solve the problem. I want to take the timid person and help them go through a situation, work through a situation. And and that's the maturity that God help us as we get older in life. And then in verses 3 through 4, the ministry of prayer. He says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayer night and day. So Paul prayed for Timothy faithfully. And this is so important. If, say, you're married and the guy you're married to you just don't like too much. Well, are you praying for him? No, I'm praying that he goes. No, you have to pray for him. I don't want to pray for him. If you pray for him, God's going to soften your heart. And you're going to find that God deals with you. And the only reason you won't pray for him is because you don't want to hear what God wants to do in your life. And so when you pray for me, and I pray for you, and the number one problem in the church is that we don't pray. And so if you have children, if you don't bathe those kids in prayer, you're going to lose them. And so you need to take those kids, and your prayer is like a safety net. They might fall, but they're only going to fall so far because God's going to hold them up. It says of Job, every day he made a sacrifice just in case his kids didn't do it. He protected his kids through prayer. And if there's one thing you do right, you pray for people. When Nehemiah wanted something, he didn't run to the king. He went to God and he said, oh God, you hold the king's heart in your hand. Change it. And so you can talk to God about another person. God, change their heart, open the conversation. Or you can take someone you're having a problem with, or a boss that isn't, you're not working out with, and you pray for that boss, and God will begin to do work. In other words, until you're willing to pray, you really don't have a right to complain. And so we complain about the school, we complain about this, we complain about the city. If you don't pray for the city, you don't pray for the school, you really don't have no right to complain. You pray and God will work. And that's where your faith begins to really get a hold of things. Instead of murmuring, you pray. Instead of complaining, you thank the Lord. So either you're going to be grumpy or you're going to be worshiping. I mean, there's no in-between in your life. And so I listen to my negativeness. 
or my complaining. And I often feel like, okay, I haven't been praying. I need to start praying. Or I see something that just drives me crazy with my wife. And I realize it's been a while since I prayed. I need to pray every day that God would keep her. Especially when she starts working, she's kind of clumsy and I don't want her falling. So I really pray. And I do because I don't want her to get hurt. And she's standing on top of a ladder thinking, come on, honey, what are you doing? Well, isn't that what a ladder's for? I'm just, my heart's just dying. And so I have to set her down. But again, she prays to me, oh God, give him compassion. Don't let him get upset. And so through the years, we pray for each other. And so he says here, I thank God whom I serve. And so Paul is giving thanks. Now you remember if you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, what he had to say. And this is really kind of cool. In 1 Timothy, in chapter 1, verse 12, this is what Paul said. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Or, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has given me the strength, given me a job at In-N-Out, helping me to be faithful, flipping hamburgers for the kingdom of God. It still works. In other words, he's thankful that God is using him and that God is going to express his love through him. Now read on. Who was before Paul a blasphemer, a persecutor, one who destroyed the church, but yet I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. All he's saying is before Jesus Christ, he was out of control. He was a very hurtful man. He was a very aggressive man. He was a very difficult man to be around. But since God got a hold of him, he is so thankful that God gave him a second chance. And I want to talk about that. Because sometimes we forget where we came from. I was talking to one of the janitors the other day, and he was a little upset at one of the other janitors. And I said to that janitor, I think I picked you out of the street a couple times. Well, you did. I said, then don't you think you ought to pick him up and help him? And that's the thing that I always remembered. God was there to give me a chance. Who am I not to give someone else a chance? And one guy said to me one time after he helped me, and I said, thanks so much. He said, are you really thankful? I said, I really am. He looked at me and said, then you owe it to God to help somebody else when they're in trouble. And if you've been in the street, or you've been devastated, or your marriage has been wiped out, or your business has gone through it, and God saved it, then he saved it for a purpose, that you would give glory and you would help other people going through difficult times. And so with a pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembered you in my prayers day and night. And Paul was praying for what? Timothy's timidness. And Paul is now going to give the ministry to somebody that he was a little concerned about. So God, as I give it to this guy that's kind of weak and kind of sick and kind of feeble, if you don't touch him, we're in trouble. And if you don't help him, we're not going to make it. And if you're not with him, we're going to fall apart. God, I'm going to give Timothy and all his problems to you. And that's what prayer is all about. 
God, I'm going to give you my kid. I'm going to give you my single life. I'm going to give you my mother, whatever it takes to get this thing done. And so greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And so a ministry of prayer. And, you know, how can we be leaders? Just think about it. If you have a children's ministry, or maybe even the coffee ministry. Jim has the ministry in the coffee. And what really should be the number one responsibility in his life? I know what you're going to say. Good coffee. Consistent coffee. Strong coffee. No. Jim is hired by God to pray for those in the coffee shop that they might come to know the knowledge of God and walk in the will of God. And God would keep those away that do not have a heart to make coffee for the grace of God. And that God would bless and multiply And minister by the power of his Holy Spirit that every cup of coffee would go out with the blessings and people would see the love of God in the coffee shop. Otherwise, close it down. Now, take that same thing to your family, to your business. Why did God give it? If you own a business, you ought to be praying for every single person. And you ought to pray this prayer. God, I can't see them. You can Put the fear of God in them, not to hurt the business. And you can pray for God to do a work. You guard, you guide, you protect. God wants you to give the business, to give the marriage. You could pray this prayer. God, you watch over my husband as he's traveling. Or God, you know I'm single and this is my first date. I kind of think he might be the guy. But Lord, I need to hear from you. So help me not to look at his flesh, but help me to look at his So You need to talk to God. And Pastor Don, he's over the light of the word. I'm over the church. What is our number one responsibility? It's teaching. No, it's praying. Praying that as you come in, you receive. As you go out, you share. And so if I don't pray for you, and you don't pray for me, and Don doesn't pray for me, and I don't pray for him, then it's all in vain. If Kevin isn't praying, God, give me the songs and give me the heart and put a new song in my heart, it's never going to work. It's God's ministry. They're God's people. And prayer brings it together. And if I don't pray, then God knows I don't care. And when I don't care, I'm a hireling and not a shepherd. And that bugs God. Because God is looking for people in ministry to be shepherds not hirelings. The late Pastor Steve Mays, sharing about the responsibilities we all have as ministers of Christ. More positive instruction taken from Paul's letter to Timothy. Now, if you'd like to hear more of this inspiration, it's available right now at lightoftheword.org. You'll find today's message right there, along with all of our messages archived as well. Now, Steve will have much more from this message called Be Not Ashamed next time we get together. But if you won't be able to join us, or maybe you'd like to have a permanent copy of your own, get in touch and ask to get a copy of the complete lesson for yourself. That way, you can share it with your family and friends after you're done. Ask for the title Be Not Ashamed when you call 1-800-339-WISE. That's 800-339-WISE. Or drop us a note to Light of the Word, Box 300 Torrance, California, 90507. 
Now, this is the series that we're just touching on for the rest of this week. There is far much more where that came from. Instead of just ordering today's message, why don't you get the whole series? Give us a call at 1-800-339-WISE. Again, just mention that you'd like to order the Timothy series, and we'll be happy to send it your way. Again, the number 1-800-339-WISE. Or contact us through our website, lightoftheword.org. And while you're there, you'll see several special offers we're offering on CD sets like this one we just mentioned, as well as a trio of Pastor Steve's books, including Choices, Heartbeat, and Crossing the Line, all three for just about the price of one. Or if you'd like short reads for those breaks that you have in your busy life, we have five books for five bucks. Real simple math. It ends up being a buck apiece for these great little booklets of quick inspiration. Put a few in your car for a quick park and read, or maybe in the briefcase or purse to catch up while you're sitting in a waiting room. They're sort of like spiritual energy bars for between meals. And you could even read them with meals if you'd like. The five booklets include the titles, What? Me Worry? helping us put our fears in perspective. Let go, let God, to help you surrender life's ups and downs. Also, No More Excuses, a booklet to seize the moment and get back on track. Also, a wake-up call in the booklet, When God Begins to Knock. And the fifth booklet, Our Only Hope is God. All five booklets for all kinds of situations you face on a daily basis. Remember to ask about the five booklets for five bucks when you call us at 1-800-339-WISE. That's 1-800-339-WISE. Or check out the offer when you visit the website, lightoftheword.org. You can also write to us at Light of the Word, Box 300, Torrance, California, 90507. And coming up, Steve shares practical steps we can take to escape the lure of sin in our lives. Helpful study next time on Light of the Word. Light of the-